You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, as always, giving you the breakdown of the latest New York Giants action. Just so happens, the latest action is the fifth straight loss. A loss coming on Monday Night Football against the Dallas Cowboys, 38-17, a game that featured a lot of gaffes, a lot of poor plays on offense and defense that kept them from completing and finishing a actually relatively close game, especially considering how many opportunities that they had to take a league a lead, but did not capitalize on them. That being said, like we always do on the reaction show a few days after the game, we will give you the offensive and defensive positives and negatives. And to cap things off, the one positive that we had for the offense was the creative play design and there were a number of plays that you and I really, really liked, Chris. Yeah, yeah. the one that really stood out to me was the touchdown to Cody Latimer. At first glance, it looked like you know, a more or less run-of-the-mill pick play, a rubber out, that sort of thing. But taking a, another look at it, Latimer actually picked for himself. You know, he and the other receiver did a motion that would basically be like a rub route. But instead of continuing the crossing route, Latimer turned, doubled back and ran back to the corner. It was the kind of play design we only really see in flashes from the Giants. It was you know, really nifty, really creative. And in a night with not a whole lot of silver linings, that one stood out to me. Those pick plays are very hard to perfectly operate and and not have any situation where whoever is setting the pick does not create an offensive pass interference play you see it go either way so they were able to be successful in that play call and something that the Giants have not really called in the red zone so far it seems like with so much inconsistency something like that they can use to build upon some of the other plays that stood out to us was the read option that they called that we talked about in the quick takes that Daniel Jones decided to keep it and run and get a significant gain off of it. The dump-off that was schemed to get the ball to Saquon Barkley that was a 65-yard reception for him also created some instant yards for them. And then finally, the reverse play, if you recall, in which they gave the ball back to Golden Tate going the opposite direction, and Daniel Jones actually was lead blocking. Now, that might not have been something that we (laughs) we were really expecting for him to do and probably would hope that he doesn't do too aggressively as he did there, but it, it, it still worked to good success. But it's good to see that, that Pat Shermer is more willing to use these different types of plays. However, if the rest of the offensive game plan does not work and as much of a fa- is as much of a failure as it was on Monday, 
those explosion plays that you create almost don't really matter if you can't finish those drives. No, and that really was the problem with the Giants on Monday night. They could not take advantage of really any of the opportunities they were presented with. Dallas did not play well for most of the game. You know, they it started off on the very first play. You know, Dak Prescott, he's thrown more interceptions than he has previously, but it's still rare to see him just straight up not see a safety sitting in the passing lane like that. So that got the Giants the ball in prime territory to start off the game by stealing the possession and jumping out to a 7-0 lead, but they couldn't capitalize. We saw it again and again. Dallas would have the Giants off the field on offense and then just have a stupid penalty or a breakdown on their side. Or on offense, they would have a miscue, have a hold. I I can't remember the last time we saw Tyron Smith have multiple holding penalties in a game. They seemed to come out kind of rusty, a little bit flat off of their bye week, and the Giants just couldn't make them pay for it. As you can assume, we have significant negatives that we have to address after the performance we saw on Monday night. And the first one being, actually both of these being related to the offensive line, but the first one that Chris and I acknowledged here was the the pass protection yet again, and it seems like it progressively gets worse and worse. Understandably, the Cowboys have a good defensive line, but I would argue that they are not the best defensive line that they're going to face. They have talent, they have Demarcus Lawrence, but really besides that and also Michael Bennett, it, it's not going to be the, the, the most difficult unit that they have to face. It, it really was a case of them getting out-schemed and there were a lot of issues in slide protection, properly picking people up, just miscues that created free rushers and allowed a lot of content contact on Daniel Jones. Just once again, Jones got hit way too often. He got sacked five times. He got hit 10 times. Uh, I think Michael Bennett was responsible for four of those hits all by himself. And that's just in his first game as a Cowboy. That kind of punishment for a quarterback, the Giants just cannot allow that. They are on pace right now to give up 50 sacks on the season. Last year, they gave up too too much pressure and they had, what, 47, 48 sacks? So even though they got John Jalapio back healthy, they added Kevin Zeitler, they replaced Chad Wheeler with Mike Remmers, their pass protection has seemingly gotten worse. And a guy that they added in Kevin Zeitler also did not have a clean game yesterday, uh, allowing a sack on one of the plays. But like I said, the, the pass protection really seems to be stemming from a lack of understanding of proper slide protection, which goes on John Jalapio, the, the, the center for the New York Giants. It's the center's responsibility to p- recognize those blitzes, pick them up, and Maybe it comes down to Daniel Jones vetoing, making some, making some adjustments. But you're a rookie quarterback. You're going to be trusting your center. The one play that came to my mind, and I tweeted this out, was the first drive after they got the interception, they were in third and goal. And five clear rushers with seemingly a blitzer off the edge. It could have gone either way what he was trying to do. But regardless, you should be sliding to pick that guy up if he is presenting himself at the line of scrimmage. For some reason, the right side of the line had three people blocking two. The left side of the line had two people blocking three, leaving a completely free rusher to hit Daniel Jones 
rush him and inevitably have a misfire of a throw to Rhett Ellison. So something like that has incredible significance in hindering the performance of a rookie. It, it all comes down to the simple question is how does a rookie quarterback do well with guys coming unscathed, untouched right at them? How, do, how are they supposed to do well? Uh, I think the answer is they aren't. Yeah, unless, unless it is a rookie like Andrew Luck who has basically been pro-ready since he stepped out of high school or maybe a player like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray who can just do things athletically that you do not often see at the quarterback position. You can't have that that amount of free rushers. You can't have that kind of uh, just discord along the offensive line. Maybe if you have a veteran quarterback, a cerebral guy who really does understand the minutia of a pro defense, he can veto the protection calls. He can more or less bail the offensive line out but a rookie no you can't ask him to do that yeah Daniel Jones is seemingly still trying to figure some things out as far as reading the defense in front of him if you have that many veterans on your offensive line and all this money was being spent and all this all these assets were being used to bring in players to protect your quarterback you would expect them to have an understanding and an ability to cleanly pick up and protect anything coming at your quarterback. So stuff like that is really starting to show more and more, and it's progressively getting worse and worse. We're past the halfway point in the season as far as how many games have been played by the Giants. Something needs to be done, and there really might not be a solution in sight until next season. The other thing for the offensive line is, and it's very rare that an offensive line has an egregiously horrible game on both ends and they did a very very bad job in run blocking they were not able to create anything any space any room for Saquon Barkley on any down no none and the things we were just talking about you know just miscues in blocking uh, missed assignments questionable calls that showed up in the run blocking as well Credit to Dallas, their speed up front gave the Giants problems. They were able to attack gaps and penetrate through really before the Giants could even get their blocks locked in. But there were still too many plays where Dallas was able to rush four or five and still have a free rusher. You know, there I believe there was a second and four early on where Demarcus Lawrence came through untouched. Uh, this was a run down, uh, early down, in, I believe it was a second six, where they asked Evan Ingram to block Michael Bennett. That is not a winning proposition right there, even on the backside. Ingram is, I think, kind of underrated as a blocker, but you still cannot ask an undersized tight end to block an edge rusher who spends time at defensive tackle. That's he's not going to be able to hold up. If I remember correctly, that is something we saw and criticized the first time the Giants played Dallas as well. Whatever it was with the Giants blocking scheme, I feel as though Dallas pretty much had it diagnosed and 
they were in the correct call pretty much every time. In addition to that, in any goal-to-go situation that the Giants decided to run the ball, it was either a loss or it was snuffed out right at the line of scrimmage. No ground was able to be gained in crucial running situations, which is a huge problem. And I think part of that also was being outcoached by the Dallas Cowboys because they made it very, very clear that Daniel Jones had to beat them that Daniel Jones had to be the one that was going to beat them. They were not going to allow Saquon Barkley to have a huge performance and dominate them on the ground like he did with very few carries in week one. They were going to make things as hard as possible for Daniel Jones, so he had a majority of the responsibility in his hands. It worked really well for them because no ground was able to be made on the on in the running game. Pretty much every single gap was filled. Linebackers were coming downhill quickly. Nothing was really working for them when it came to running the ball. No, and they were able to do it efficiently. They didn't have to devote eight or nine-man boxes to do it. They were able to do it with six- and seven-man boxes. So they were able to use their coverage players to take away a lot of the deep routes as well. Jones completed about 63% of his passes, but almost all of that was 10 yards or less. Pretty much everything Daniel Jones completed was 10 yards or less. Beyond 10 yards down the field, he was, he only completed three passes out of nine attempts. The Cowboys were really able to take away any semblance of a vertical passing game. So they didn't have to spread their defense thin. They were able to swarm to the ball. They were able to gang tackle Saquon Barkley. And Jones really wasn't able to engineer any kind of a explosive passing attack to overcome the Dallas defense. Not much to take away as a positive for the Giants offense from this game. We're going to take a look at the defense, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. So now defensively, the Giants were able to hang into this game, create some turnovers, cause some problems for the Dallas Cowboys, but the final quarter, despite only being down one, they were essentially knocked off their feet and onto their butts as the Dallas Cowboys were able to dominate and finish that final quarter and complete the game, putting up a ton of points to finish it out. The The one thing, though, when we talk about positive and negatives, there is one obvious positive, which I basically already touched upon, is their ability to force turnovers in this game. They were able to force two, especially the one that came on the first play. Stuff like that is very, very good for a defense that is struggling. Yeah, there are. there's kind of the school of thought developing that really the only way to stop an NFL offense is to take the ball away from them. That's very difficult to do consistently, but it is the one sure way to stop an offense. You can get a sack and that makes it difficult, but offenses are getting better and better at at creating explosive plays and getting chunk yardage. If you take the ball away, there's nothing the offense can do. So the fact that the Giants were able to do that, and I think the fact that Jabril Peppers has been generating some turnovers, that is a good sign. Like you said, that was pretty much the only good sign from this game. But it was there. Yeah, it was something that we discussed about in the preview and then also in the quick take show about how creating turnovers was going to be a deciding factor. And it kept them in this game to the point that it was only a one point game up until that fourth quarter. Door gets blown open. 
Dallas is able to put a ton of points on the board. Final touchdown is a defensive one, so you don't really want to count that. But still, those final plays in the final quarter came off of our two negatives. The first one was something that we saw the whole game was a lack of of consistent tackling from Janoris Jenkins, who has been an on-and-off liability in the passing game. Some games he's played well. Some games he's created turnovers. Some days he's been able to lock people down. But there are often weeks where he is a liability, and we, we saw that in the in the firmest extent here because he was not able to tackle against a team that is so intent on running the ball, downing opposing teams' throats. Uh, the, the one that, that comes to mind specifically as far as his run defense and his run tackling was on a second-and-two play with four minutes in the first quarter where Tony Pollard realized that there was no room for him to run in his original direction of path, so he cut it back outside. Janoris Jenkins has a chance to tackle him at the line of scrimmage but is arm-tackled because he takes an improper angle and then is kind of stiff-armed but easily shrugged off, and Tony Pollard is able to get that first down. Yeah, that was just, that was just an ugly play there. When you are the last man on the end like that, you've got to make your stop. You've got to wrap up. You have to at least slow the offensive player down long enough for help to get there. That's something the Cowboys did very well with Saquon Barkley and something the Giants didn't do at all, really, with Ezekiel Elliott. He said it after the game. That was probably the easiest 140 yards he ever had. And a big part of that was because the Giants just did not tackle well. It was blatantly obvious with Janoris Jenkins, but really all over the defense, there was just bad tackling. There were bad angles and guys just trying to shoulder check or arm tackle, and it wasn't working. The one play that summed up Jenkins's performance, but also, like you said, the overall lack of defensive consistency in being a fundamental tackler, it was summed up on a play that we keep seeing all over Twitter is an attempted tag-off by Janoris Jenkins on Blake Jarwin as if he thought that this was practice and they were in uppers and it was just to tag off and get out of the way. Uh, Blake Jarwin ran right through his attempted tag and ended up scoring a touchdown. So Stuff like that is just a lack of effort. It's almost as if Janoris Jenkins in that play was just like, I see a uh, a guy that is significantly bigger than me running at me. I'm going to sacrifice my teammates and instead try to protect myself so I can have some more longevity. That kind of looked like an old uh, Deion Sanders business decision right there. All of a sudden, his uh, cleats got a lot heavier and he just couldn't get over there in time to get in front of him and went for the matador tackle. Yeah, you got to do something if you're Janoris Jenkins because he had a chance to make a tackle or at least dive at his feet, but he had a very, very weak attempt, something that you would never want to see in the NFL, someone that they're paying a ton of money. It, it, it all just continues to get worse on defense. And the, and the final thing was just the overall lack of awareness and struggles with understanding things on defense. And, and we, we get it right now that this is a very young unit Corey Ballantyne was playing in this game, which we haven't seen, and he got a ton of snaps. Um, DeAndre Baker had a ton of snaps like he always does. And also the other rookies that are contributing as well. There were a lot of instances of biting on play action. 
There were a lot of instances of seeing guys getting washed out and creating wide open rushing lanes on zone runs. The final thing that kind of sums everything up, though, is DeAndre Baker allowing Amari Cooper to run free unscathed on a wide open route because he was in the seemingly wrong zone coverage when everyone else was supposed to be in man. Yeah, I still have no idea of what was going on on that play. Today, Pat Shermer said that they were in a zone coverage on that play and more or less hinted that Corey Ballantyne was supposed to pass Randall Cobb off and just hang in a zone and pass Cobb off to, I believe Michael Thomas was the safety over top on that side of the field. But on the other side, it looked like Janoris Jenkins was in man coverage. It looked like Jabril Peppers was in man coverage. It looked like Alec Ogletree picked up. Okay, I, I don't remember if it was Tony Pollard or Ezekiel Elliott, but the running back picked him up in man coverage. Everybody else, it looked like they were in two-man. And DeAndre Baker was the only one who peeled off to cover the flat, like you would in just a standard cover two. So I am not sure what the play call was. And I've I've probably rewatched that play about a dozen times. All I know is somebody screwed up somewhere, and I would love to know what the actual play call was. Maybe there was some kind of pattern matching thing going on. Maybe they had maybe they had a hybrid coverage called i i just don't know and the one thing i do know is that the communication issues in the secondary need to get cleaned up because they show up every week and they're a big reason why the giants lead the league in plays over 40 yards given up those communication issues seem to be just like the pass protection is seem to be something that we are always talking about week in and week out and we're at this halfway point in the season you can only make so many excuses for rookie mistakes something has to change something has to be done differently but one thing you could say though from the poor defensive performances and and the fact that we're past nine games in the season the the one positive thing that I think can kind of come from all this is that we have a better understanding in the coaching staff and Dave Gettleman has a better of understanding of what they need to approach when it comes to free agency in the NFL draft in fixing up those holes because there's a lot of young talent. There's a lot of veteran pieces that they can move and get rid of and try and clear up some cap space, but it is very, very apparent that they need a new Mike linebacker and they might also need a safety to to replace Antoine Bethea. I would actually even flip those priorities. I would want to get a free safety. If they want to keep Bethea just as... A third safety, you know, like that Dion Grant role when he was here. Yeah, okay, just so long as he doesn't see the field all that often. But an athletic, rangy free safety would make a world of difference for this defense. Maybe they can hope that Ryan Connolly can come back and be their Mike linebacker for the future. I would also want an edge rusher, maybe a couple offensive tackles, um, Maybe a true number one receiver, especially with Sterling Shepard going through what he's going through. We don't know what his future looks like. Uh, This team has needs. (laughs) It does have a lot of needs. And like I said, though, it it is good to finally be able to evaluate those things. And uh, being a a sports fan, being a fan of the Giants, if if you're taking a look at your team the way that we are, it's it's not great that they're not winning right now, but – Still, there are a lot of bright spots. There are things that can be focused on and also an understanding of what needs to come next and what could potentially be those new pieces 
going forward. So the Giants might not be be completely out of contention. Still, the free agency and the draft are going to be a, a very key point for this super young team to take that next step. Yeah, and I would just like to plug a future show. We are going to be addressing that during the bye week. We've got something planned, and I think everybody's really going to enjoy it. Yeah, hopefully we uh, we do get some uh, some good responses from the type of breakdown we're going to be giving you guys during the bye week, trying to give you a, a sense of a look at, like I said, those upcoming and potential pieces. That's going to be it from us, folks. Make sure you rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us, and also follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, at Raptor MKII, and at Big Blue View. And also follow the Instagram at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Have a wonderful rest of your day.